0: Good morning. morning. Everybody doing well? Yeah, it's a good day, beautiful day. Um, My name is Robin Miller, and I'm lead pastor here at Woods Chapel, and something you might not know about me is that my husband Jake and I have recently taken up golf, and yeah. So... Golf is, is, it's really a great way for Jake and I to spend some time together or to spend time with our friends. It has increased my prayer life in ways you can't imagine. I have to pray for the salvation of my soul more after a game of golf than any other time in the week, I tell you. And I wanted to show you my putter. Um, this is my putter. Has anybody ever? Now... Uh, is it's Don Gibbs here today? I didn't see him in the choir. Don Gibbs, who's a member of this church, plays in the choir. He found this golf club for me, and he called me up and he said, Robin, I think i found the perfect putter for you. And by golly, if he isn't right, I mean, this thing's got a perfect weight on it, and um, not to mention it's just a good conversation starter. So y'all tell Don that I was talking about him in the sermon the other day, but, you know, the thing about uh, golf is I, I just it's not very easy, is it? Um, and what I noticed, Jake and I, we were playing uh, out at Unity Village. We went and shot nine holes. It's been a couple of months ago. And I teed up. I think I was on the third hole. And I teed up. And it was just a fantastic shot. It went about 150 yards, which is a long way for me about 50 yards away from the green. This was a par four hole, and I'm like, I could birdie this shot. Um, I was so impressed, and I done, and Jake looked at me, and he goes, Robin, that was a a good hit, except you hooked it a little bit. And I looked at him, and I said, I did not hook that shot? What are you talking about? I said, it went straight where I was aiming, right there, and it's 50 feet from the green. He goes, yeah, but we're trying to hit that green over there, and I was like... (laughs) (sighs) <sighs> okay. Golf is hard, isn't it? And then I watch it on TV and Tiger Woods and Brooks Kepka. I mean, they make it look so easy. I mean, I watch them do like one, two, three shots, and then that ball goes right in the hole. And I got to admit to you, that makes me a little sick. <laughs> makes me a little angry. And, and you know, but I... I know, it makes me frustrated because I know how hard this game is. Now, granted, uh, you know, the pros, (laughs) they are talented and gifted for golf in ways I will never be. However, the foundational difference between them and me is that they practice way more than I do. I mean, this is their life, it's their game, and... Making it look easy, it, it just takes, you know, no matter the gift or the talent that you might possess, it takes a lot of practice to make that happen. So, so I get that. And, um, and I really think that when it comes to following Jesus Christ and doing the will of God and being a blessing to other people, I don't think it's any different. I think that also takes practice. On our part. So today we are starting a new series called Tangible Kingdom. And this is actually based off of a book um, and, and more so off of a small group study that's of the same name. And the premise of this small group study and of the book is how to live an incarnational life and how to live in a missional community. All right, so, and you might ask, well, what exactly does that mean? I mean, these are big churchy words, but, you know, living an incarnational life, living a missional life, in essence, it's a, it's a hearkening back to the early church, um, it, it, and that is way different than what most of us know. I mean, most of us have come to understand church as a place where we come and we sit through the service and we receive ministry and we participate in programs. And in fact, that's been kind of the primary model of church for the last 50 years at, at least, at least. and If you've ever done any reading about church leadership and what it means to, uh, how, to how you do church, you might have heard it called the attractional model of church. Um, and that's where, you know, churches for the longest time have had this attractional model. Come look and see how great we are and how big our band is and how many programs we have. And, you know, in that that's okay. It's just that way of being church is not really as effective as it was 50 years ago. I mean, we're seeing that. We're seeing that across Christianity. It's just not as effective. And, and quite frankly, it's not the missional purpose of church that the early church kind of started it it kind of shifted away from that so you know when I look at church we're called to go and do not necessarily show up and take right and and we're called to be missional people And, in fact, if you were here last week, the main scripture that I used for my sermon was Matthew 28, 19, and 20. It's the Great Commission. It's where, you know, right before Jesus ascends to heaven, he's leaving these parting words with the disciples, and he tells them to go into all nations and baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he's like, I want you to go. Don't sit here. Don't sit and wait. I need you to go out, and I want you to make disciples. So that is what I mean when I talk about missional, this, this idea of going, of, of being sent. So missional people are just folks who are actively committed to living a sent life and we are called to do so within the context of community, this being our community, right? And then we go into other communities, All right, so in other words, the goal of the church isn't to open its doors and wait for people to show up here, but rather to be a faithful church willing to go into the community to be Jesus in the world. That was the way of the early church. And, I I mean, Jesus, look at him, you know, he sent his disciples out. And, you know, he asked him, he walked up to people that he didn't know, and he was like, hey, I want you to drop your nets, I want you to leave it all, and I want you to come with me, let's, let's go. And, and Paul, Paul went, he left Israel, and he went into places that were unfamiliar to him, and he started churches there. Now, this idea of sentness, actually, though, it started long before New Testament times. I mean, this has just been a a model throughout scripture and it reaches back even to the very beginnings of the people of Israel starting with Abraham. And Abraham, you know, he was the one who was called by God to cultivate and to grow um, a new nation of people who would be known as the Israelites, right? And and they were going to go to this land, and it was, a, it was a special, hand-picked-by-God land. And it was supposed to be awesome. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. And this nation, it was going to be great, and it was going to be a great blessing to others. But it would require that Abraham go. All right, so I want to read that story. This is just the initial call, the first call of Abraham. In fact, it was even before Abraham's name had changed. It was when he was still called Abram. All right, Genesis chapter 12, and it says, "The Lord had said to Abram, go." Not stay, you know, just sit right where you are, and let him come to you. No, he said, "Go from your country, your people, and your father's household." To the land I will show you. And, and it says, you know, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. So God says to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to pick up. And I want you to leave. I want you to go. I want you to leave everything that's familiar. Your house, your country, your father's household, everything. And I want you to go. And when you get to where you need to be, I'll let you know. I mean, God's not even saying exactly, just go to the land. I'll show you when you get there. You just got to go. And I'm going to make you a blessing. You will be a blessing to others. And, and, and I'll admit, you know, the word being a blessing has, I don't know, somewhat problematic at times for me. Just because I see how that word is used today. People sometimes use it and they're like, oh, you know, we're so blessed because of what we have. And, and, and yeah, God blesses us with favor and, and, but so we can be a blessing to other people. But if you watch any kind of, if you follow any kind of social media that's really popular right now on Instagram is hashtag blessed. People will show pictures of, you know, gorgeous sunsets on beautiful beaches in Hawaii or wherever and they'll be like, hashtag blessed. Right, so it's like, look what I've got. It's a way to kind of show off what they have, and, and that is not what Abraham is talking about. That's not what God is talking about when calling Abraham because it's not like, so if I've got this and I'm hashtag blessed and you don't have it, does that mean you're not blessed? Right, you see the problem with that sometimes. So, blessing here, what I think, what I think. God is talking about when he says this to Abraham is you are going to be a blessing. You are going to be the tangible touch of, me, of God to those around you. You are going to bless other nations. In fact, you know, in other words, it's like God is telling Abraham, people will see me and they will feel me and they will know me and my love through you. And, and through your people. All right, so I need you, Abraham. Go be me to those around you. Be a blessing and let others know that I love them. You see the difference? Big difference from hashtag blessed. Look how awesome life is for me. So it says, Abraham went as the Lord had told them. And Lot went with them. <clears throat> and Abram was 75 years old. When he set out from Haran, and he took his wife, Sarah, and his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. So that is the call. That is this, this, uh, this ask of God for Abraham to go. And, and here's the really cool part of that story. God's offer to Abraham is also an offer to us. I mean, God offers us this amazing opportunity to go out and to share. His blessing with other people. And in doing so, when we do that, when we live into that sentness and we're willing to go where God says go, that is one of the ways we find our deepest sense of meaning and purpose. And, and Jesus, Jesus actually said it this way in the Gospel of Mark He said, For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. So Jesus mentions blessing as, you know, giving sight to the blind and um, captives being set free and debts being paid off and and food for the hungry and rest for the weary and friends for the lonely and, and, you know, anything else that could be felt or touched or was tangible, Right, so for Jesus, blessings, you know, this, these weren't just, you know, things you would say to make people feel better. This was actually something that you would do about their problems. You would go and do something to be a blessing to those who needed it. And, and in fact, throughout the Bible, I mean, we, we see God calling people to a life of sentness and 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 oftentimes they didn't know where they were going or for how long they'd be gone and and they didn't know how or if they would survive i mean this was they were just people who had to go purely out of obedience and simply for the fact that they loved god so you know here's the thing i mean Spreading God's blessing to the world, it doesn't come easy. I mean, it, it, it takes, oftentimes it takes practice on our part. We, we've got to work at it. And, you know, just like Abraham, we all have this offer to spread God's blessing, and with that, Offer comes the choice by us of whether we go and we follow into that or we stay. And Abraham had that choice as well. He had to decide, do I go, do I stay, what do I do? Maybe he kind of weighed the options. What are the pros and cons of each of this? And maybe he was thinking, well, you know, if I go, it would require, require sacrifice on my part. But, but if I stay... It would provide me some safety. Um, or if he went, you know, he was going to be a blessing. That sounds pretty awesome. But, but if he stayed, he'd have comfort. Sounds pretty good too. Um, you know, going was a risk. Staying meant he had more stability. Uh, going would require a leap of faith on Abraham's part. And staying meant, you know, he knew better what he could expect if he stayed behind. And going, it meant new hope, new promise. And staying gave more of the same. So it was a big choice for him. So this this idea of sentness isn't easy you know we we have to work our missional muscles (laughs) it it takes practice on our part just like how you know if I'm holding a putter does not that's not what's going to make me a decent golfer I actually have to get out I got to practice I got to get familiar with the way it feels what it takes to make the ball do certain things I've got to work at it all right, and, and and here's here's what you what you need to know. You know, if you grasp nothing of what I've said, I want you to grasp this. All right, because being a Christian isn't about sitting in a building and receiving. Right, there is a sentness uh, to our lives, and and that is why that is why we are so passionate about missions here at Woods Chapel. I mean, we know at our core how critical it is to go into our communities and just be with people, just like Jesus did. You know, it's it's not about Sundays. You know, being a Christian, it, it's not about a belief system. It's It's not a list of things that we should do and shouldn't do. I mean, this is a way of life. It is an opportunity to share God's tangible blessing with other people. So imagine this. Imagine this for just a second. Now imagine if... Jesus were to walk through those doors right now, came down the aisle, turned around to you and said, Folks, um, I want you to get up. I want you to leave everything that you have behind and I want you to just follow me. Just come with me right now. Where do you picture him taking you first? I mean, maybe it... Maybe it would be to some place you've never been before. You know that that kind of willingness to go it isn't easy. It it takes practice on our part, and it will look different for every single one of us here. All right, I mean you know sometimes going will mean uh, a thirty second email to encourage a friend who's going through something really difficult. Or, or sometimes going will be a five-minute walk across the street to help a neighbor. Um, maybe it will be the willingness to kind of give up a quiet evening with your spouse so that in exchange you can invite some friends over who, you, who don't know Jesus. And, you know, in other times other times it might be that it means giving up a week-long uh chunk of your time for a commitment, either out of the state or out of the country, or maybe it's uh, offering a large portion of money towards something that needs help, or it, or it could even be a lifelong commitment to leave your city, to leave your country in order to serve God. And, and, and this may not feel comfortable, And it it probably won't come natural, and it certainly isn't always easy, and rarely will it be convenient. But you know, here at this church, we know the power of making God's kingdom tangible to those who need it most. And that's who we are, folks. I mean, we're just a group of God's people, people practicing what it looks like to accept the offer to go and be God's tangible blessing to others and we don't always get it right do we i mean sometimes you know sometimes we struggle with what it means to be sent Um, and, and sometimes we struggle to see God's direction for us and and, and sometimes it 's really hard to go where Jesus says "Go, so yeah we 're not perfect but but we are practicing, and we we practice through ministries like Fresh Start furnishings, which you 're going to hear more about in just a minute um, and we, we practice through our partnership with Rainbow network where we where we help to provide homes to to those in rural Nicaragua and And we provide scholarships for school-aged children so that they can have opportunity to follow their dreams. And we practice through our care ministry when, when people go and visit those who are sick. And we practice going to places where disaster has hit to help people begin to rebuild their lives. I imagine... We are going to hear in the coming months of ways that we can go and be a blessing to the people of the Bahamas. That would be my, that would be my guess. We practice both in big ways and we practice in small ways. Uh, because we believe we're a family of missionary servants sent to serve the world and make disciples of Jesus Christ. That's why we do it. So this week, I'm, I'm going to give you some homework. Okay? School's back in session, so I think we should all have a little bit of homework. And I want you to practice being missional. All right? Especially if this is kind of a new idea for you, if you've never done this before, I want you to practice sentness. Okay? I want you to practice going Either by crossing your fence, crossing your street, or crossing a barrier. Okay, one of those three ways. And let me explain to you what I mean. Because the first one is really simple. This is a great way, especially if you're not used to this idea of going or being sent and being missional with your life. Then maybe start here. By crossing your fence. All right, and I mean by that just do something to offer kindness to one of the neighbors on your street. Okay, we all have neighbors. There is somebody that lives close to us, so just make the effort this week, maybe just to say hello and ask how they are and really uh, make it a point to, to listen to the answer. Ask it in such a way that tells them you want to know how they're really doing. Or ask them how their summer's been or how things are going now that school has started back. So that's an just cross your fence. That is a great way to start. But, you know, now you might be in a place too where you've done that. And that doesn't feel like a challenge, so maybe you could practice crossing your street, if not crossing your fence. And by crossing your street, what I mean is do something to connect with somebody kind of closer to your home, but with whom you have not yet built a relationship All right, so this also might be a neighbor. So make an effort to maybe uh, just get to know them, invite them over for coffee, invite them over for a cookout, Um, do something to build relationships with folks that you don't know yet. That's kind of what we're doing with our block parties here at Woods Chapel. We want to build community with people that we might not know. There's that, tomorrow night, if you don't have something going on, I want you to make plans, be a part of the block party. It's going to be over in Lakewood at one of the pavilions over there. It is a great way to deepen those relationships with others. It's a good way to cross your street. But, you know, for those of you who really want to practice, you've done this fencing, the, you know, crossing your fence and crossing your street, then I want to encourage you, why don't you think about crossing a social or political, or ethnic barrier. Um, and what I mean is, you know, maybe talk to... Take somebody maybe from church or your small group or take your spouse, and it could be so simple as going to eat at an authentically ethnic restaurant in a different part of town that is unfamiliar to you. Maybe that's where you start. Just immerse yourself In that different culture or um, or maybe attend a lecture or an event that represents a different part of our culture Um, our mid-continent library system they're always putting on events and exhibitions that uh, are just done by a variety of different folks that might be a great way just to experience a different culture or a topic that is different from what you know. Not to mention all the books and such that they have at the library that talks about that. Or, or maybe even visit a church or, a, or other religious location with different beliefs than yours as a way to cross that barrier. And that whole piece just, it reminded me of somebody I used to work with at the last church Her parents, they were an elderly couple in Kansas, rural Kansas. I'd never heard of the town where they were from. And I remember this was right after the San Bernardino, California shootings, um, where the shooters were tied to radical Islamist extremist terrorist cells. Um, You probably remember that story. Um, But her parents, the weekend after those shootings, they decided that they were going to go visit a local mosque in the area of their town because they wanted to get to know their Islam neighbors who they really believed were nothing like the extremists that were on the TV. And so she was sharing with me. She was like, so my mom and dad, they got up and they went, and they, they went to this mosque, and they were met with warmth, and they were met with kindness, And they talked to members of that mosque to learn more about what their religion was all about. And she said, you know, they were even invited to stick around. They were having a potluck after worship. And I heard that story and I'm like, wow, that is a huge social religious barrier that they crossed. I I was just amazed. I, I don't know that I would have done that. But they did. So those three ways, cross your fence, cross your street, cross a barrier. And if you do that, please, 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 please email me. I love to hear stories about how we are missional in our world. Let me know how you're doing on that. And just remember, you know, the Bible is full of stories that encourage us to live differently. And and one word, however, really stands as a loud and clear call of God's work of transformation in our world. And and that word is go. And and it might take some adjustments on our part to realize this, and it is definitely going to take practice. But nothing of God's kingdom happens unless someone is willing to go. Go over a fence. Go over a street or go over a barrier. I mean, whatever the case, it will cost you something. It's going to require that you creatively look for the opportunities that God provides all of us to leave what is natural and what feels comfortable In order to extend God's love and blessing to others, that is missional. Let's pray. Lord God, this call to go feels scary uncomfortable, maybe unnatural. It did for Abraham, I'm sure. It did for Moses. It did for Jesus. It did for Paul. It did for the countless others that you called to go to places that are unknown. But help us, Lord, to be obedient. In those times, knowing that this is how you extend your blessing to others. You do that through us. So God, we thank you. We thank you for the gift that is your son, Jesus Christ. And we give you thanks for the word that reminds us of the many ways your people have been called to go.